Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Two Footed Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Irish Matakos, and we are back again for episode 13 of season number two. Um heading into heading into the real the real meat of the footballing season. Well, until the World Cup comes and cancels everything or shuts down everything in um just just under a month's time. Maybe I don't know how many episodes we've got left until the World Cup. It might be three. I think we've got three or four episodes left until we crack into the World Cup coverage, which is going to be good. It's going to be great. So um, what should I do? I think so. The plan for that, just on a side note, is we're going to go up to the World Cup. We're going to do one episode before the World Cup starts, um, basically doing previews, all the preview, all the previews, every preview for every team, for the whole lot, right? Um, We're going to be doing that. And then we're going to be doing an episode every single match day. So you're going to be hearing a lot of me. Um, I won't sleep. I'm going to be very tired. I'm probably going to get some, I'm probably going to get really ill. But it's all worth it because it's a World Cup and it happens once every four years. So you, 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 um, what is it? You sacrifice, you sacrifice a little bit of sleep to, um, to, to get as much content out as possible. Yeah, I think we've got three episodes left. Um, of the Premier League or of the of the regular footballing season, um, and then we'll crack into World Cup coverage. But that's a, that's just uh, irrelevant information for now. I hope everyone is well. I hope the weekend and the week, I should say, has treated everyone nicely. It has for me, as you can see, got a nice got a nice haircut, got a nice shave of my beard. So now I don't look like I'm homeless. I look actually semi presentable now, which is good. Um, as you could probably, you can. I'll tell you what I like. I'll tell you what's really funny. Just what like previewing the episodes once I get a haircut, and then just watching my hair, my beard slowly grow out, and I look slowly and slowly more homeless and more just disheveled. Whereas now I look, I look clean. I look nice. I look, um, I look nice and nice and tidy, which is good. But um, yeah, that's pretty much everything on my end. So yeah, I don't know. I think I didn't even have to tell you that because you could probably see with your eyes. I mean, unless you're listening on on Spotify or anything, then um, then I, it's good to tell you. Got a haircut. I look good. Um, yeah, I hope everyone's week treated you well. Uh, football was back in a pretty big way. No games on a Saturday night, which kind of um, no games on a Saturday night. As I adjust my camera, um, yeah, no games on a Saturday night in in, in when, we, when we're looking at Australia time. Anyway, no Premier League games, which um kind of messed with my equilibrium a little bit. I did not know what was going on, but we had all the games on Sunday morning, which was good. Um, yeah, I think let's just crack into that. Enough of my ramble. Just before I start, make sure you subscribe to the Two Foot Attack podcast on YouTube. Um, so yeah, subscribe, like the podcast, and notification bells as well, just so you don't miss out on any clips on any episodes and any other t- two-foot tackle-related news on the YouTube channel. Follow on um, Instagram and TikTok, two-foot tackle podcast, 2FTPod on Twitter, where I live-tweet during most games and live-tweet or tweet my thoughts as soon as things happen. Um, so, yeah, if you want my immediate thoughts on things, um, then, yeah, there you go. Go to there. Um, and, also, of course, audio platforms as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast. And Anchor, leave a five-star review. It would mean more than the world to me. It also shows other people that people are listening and people are enjoying and it might persuade some people to, to come on over and to, and to have a little, little bit of a listen because, um, yeah, that's just good. That's good for the al- algorithmic engagement. I think that's that's what that's what the phrase is called. But, um, yeah, let's just crack in. Enough of plugging myself. Have I plugged myself enough? 
Um, sure. Actually, why not? Let's plug myself more. I do other I do other content as well. If you want to say more of me, head over to the Inner Sanctum YouTube channel. Um, the Inner, Inner Sanctum. Just type up the Inner Sanctum on, on YouTube. You'll see my face doing some player spotlights. It's a great series. A couple more videos of me up there. It's great. It's good fun. It's good fun. If you want to hear me talking about Australian football a lot more than what I do on this, on this podcast, go over there. It's good fun. All right. Now, let's just crack him. Because I ramble way too much. Fuck me. It's five minutes in already. Um, what are we going to speak about today? Well, not a lot happened. Well, oh, things happened, but I kind of wanted to speak about some more topics. Um, maybe broader topics. I want to speak on Kylian Mbappe, as you could probably tell by the title. Um, it'd be weird if I titled, titled this what I titled it and then not actually spoke about Mbappe. So let's speak about Mbappe. Let's speak about Man United briefly. Um, I don't think I spoke about them last week. Or did I? No, I didn't. I don't, I don't think I did. But I want to speak about United briefly. I want to speak about Drake because he just loves to get himself involved, doesn't he? He loves to get himself involved. I want to speak on the A-League as well. I want to speak on obviously the second match day. I want to speak on I want to speak on the All Access documentary, um, which was magnificent. I want to speak on the atmosphere at Western Sydney versus Melbourne Victory, which was brilliant. And I want to speak on the other games that happened as well. So briefly, then we'll touch on who went into footed and then a preview of the week's action. So let's just go. Let's just start now. Let's start with what it's what the title of this podcast actually is: Killian Mbappe. Now. I've titled it Is He Overrated? Now, of course, the reason why I speak about this is because there's been some rumours been some rumors throughout the week that um, he's unhappy, not content, with um, his position at PSG, which is quite funny considering what contract he signed literally three months ago. But he's not happy. So, I mean, he, he can be... He, there's no rules. He can be unhappy if he wants. And he quite clearly is unhappy. And there's rumours saying that he might leave after the World Cup in January. Now, now, fuck me, man. Because he's... See, Kalina Bappe is a really weird player when you speak about him. Because I've titled it, Is He Overrated? Now, he isn't overrated. He isn't... He, is he overrated? I think he's... I think... Personally, in terms of the player that he is, apologies, eh? in terms of the player that he is, I think he's appropriately rated. I think he, pound for pound, probably the best footballer in the world in terms of age, marketability, actual talent, etc., versatility, etc., etc. I think pound for pound, he probably is the best footballer in the world, but. In terms of in terms of in terms of footballer, he isn't. I think that's obvious. In terms of footballer, he isn't. And in terms of what he actually offers, I don't think he is either because he's problematic as fuck. And we've seen that. I mean, the the contract that he signed was is ridiculous, right? The contract the contract that he signed in in the summer was absolutely ridiculous. And and a contract like that screams to me of a player who who you don't really want in your team. Now he's been linked he's been linked to Real Madrid and Liverpool, they're the two main clubs and I've just found out today that he's followed a bunch of Chelsea players on Instagram like he's followed Mason Mount, I think he's followed Kai Havertz. He's followed a lot of people on Instagram from the Chelsea. Now where does he go if he leaves? I don't know who can afford him. Fuck probably Real Madrid's the only team who can afford him. Maybe City, but I doubt they'd go after him. I don't think they will. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see where he goes if he goes. But what the point of this conversation is and why I, I pose the question, is he overrated, is because do you really want Kylian Mbappe in your team? Like, do, like for, for the sake of your football club, do you really think Kylian Mbappe is the right player for your football club? I think he offers more negatives than he does positives. I think he'll be a detriment to any club he goes to, in my opinion. I don't see a world in which he goes to a football club and improves them overall. I think, yeah, on the pitch he can improve them, but in the dressing room he will destroy them, in my opinion. And financially, it will be abysmal because he's going to be worth how much? Like, in terms of A, transfer fee, if he goes via that mechanism, or B, wages, and C, signing on fee, agent fees. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. Value for money-wise, he's completely not worth it. And yeah, he might be the best player in the world in a couple of years. But is that is it really worth all the negative things that he offers to a football club? And we've seen what he's done to PSG. We've seen how much how he was able to rot the system to basically have free reign over that football club, which I've already given my thoughts about in terms of that contract. I just don't know. I just I just don't know the. F- I just don't understand why football clubs want Mbappe over 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 other players. I think if you if you had the choice between Haaland and Mbappe, you take Haaland every week. If you had the choice right now, probably between what, Messi or Mbappe, I think you take Messi, man. I think you would still. Even though Mbappe's got ten years on him. And even though Mbappe probably has obviously that profitability factor which Messi doesn't have. Because Messi's thirty-five or whatever. I just, I just don't see a world in which you can justify, fully justify the talent that Mbappe has to what other dribble he offers. If that makes sense. I just, I just don't see it. I just don't see it, and I think it will be, it will be a catastrophe for whatever club he goes to. Because think about it, he's one injury away. And I'm not saying that he's one injury away from being rubbish. That's not what I'm saying. But it's as soon as he gets injured, or if he does, obviously we don't want him to. Obviously, no one wants any player to get injured. But if he if he were to get injured, and say he were to get injured on a semi-serious basis, let's just say like six to eight weeks, right? What does that do to to the team? Because you've, you, you build a side around Mbappe, right? And PSG in a fortunate position where... They've got Mbappe, yeah, but they've also got Neymar, they've also got Messi, and like they've also got other players around him to actually do it, but to actually do well. But they're ju- that's just only that's the only reason they can do that is because they're they're they they've got the backing of a of a country, right? They've got the backing of a state, right? So if you, if you were to go to Liverpool, who he's been linked with, firstly, how do they afford it? I think it would have to meet. It would have to be to let go of Salah. I think that's probably the only way that they can kind of afford that. Because based on, on how much Salah's worth, but I know he just signed the contract like not that long ago. So it's like, well, how does that work? And I mean, I mean, he won't go to Liverpool. There's no chance he goes to Liverpool because of that, because of that, um, of that wage structure, right? He'll just break that tenfold, right? So there's no point. But if he were to go... How does he? How do, how do they afford that? And where does he fit in? Obviously, he'll probably play on the left because 
he'll probably play on the left. I don't see him playing up front because of, of Klopp's way of playing football. Mbappe just doesn't suit that. Um, Mbappe doesn't press, so he won't play up front. <laughs> um, it, would be, it would be Mbappe on the left, Nunes up front, and then Salah on the right. But as soon as Mbappe goes down, I feel like that has such a detrimental impact on the whole squad because he's their key player and he's on so much and everything would be built towards him that it would just hurt them too much. And then if he goes to Real Madrid, I'd, I'd assume he'd probably play up front, maybe. Unless, I mean, he can't play him on the left because where do you put Vinny, right? Unless you put him on the right or unless you move Vinny onto the right. And, or or unless you play him up front and then wait for Benzema to like piss off. I don't see him fitting in any squad. I don't see him fitting in any team apart from PSG, and I don't see him working at any other team apart from PSG. And that's not me saying that he's working at PSG right now because he isn't, in my opinion. In terms of, I think this is doing a lot of harm to PSG, the the, the Mbappe kind of thing, right? Now they they are three points clear. Um, they're three points clear with 11 games played behind um, three points in front of Lorient, right? They've got a t- plus 24 goal difference. And they're, they're top of their group in the Champions League, right? Which is great. Good on you. Congratulations. But they're, they're just, they're, the fear factor isn't there. Like, it just is not there. They're, like Based off of their last game against Marseille, they will up in like a 4-3-1-2. That's what it says on FOTMOB anyway. But really, I'd assume it would play a little bit like a 4-3-3. With, they've got it lined up with Messi and Mbappe up front, with Neymar just in behind. Um, but they've also been playing a 3 at the back formation with like Mbappe as the, in the, as the top of that kind of triangle up front. Where does he fit in? Where, like, where do, where do you put him? Where, where do you play Mbappe? Where do you play him? And that's why I say, that's why this whole uncertainty around him is there. Because is he a striker? Probably. Is he a, is he a winger? He's definitely not a right winger. Does he, do you play him off the left? Probably, right? But where does he go? He does, he is not, I think, I think the thing is with, with, with him versus Haaland is, Haaland. I, I would, I'll just pronounce it however I want to pronounce it. Holland, the way that he plays is a lot more certain than the way that Mbappe plays, in a sense. Now, Mbappe is a generational talent. We know that. But he offers a lot more negatives or a lot more uncertainties or question marks than Haaland does. We, we, like, City signed the player because they knew exactly what he was going to, going to do on the pitch and off the pitch. They knew exactly what he was going to do. You don't know that with Mbappe. You don't know whether or not one day you're just gonna be like fuck this, I want to leave. You never know one day you're just gonna be like fuck this, I want to play off the, I want to play on the left wing. Don't play me up front. I mean, we all saw that clip on, that was circulating Twitter a couple of weeks ago where he just stopped running on a counter attack because he didn't get past the ball. Harlan doesn't do that. Harlan will chase and will run and will do everything for the team. That's what. That's why I bring up the conversation of is he overrated? Because yeah, you get the player, but you also get every single negative thing attached to him as well and there is so much he's probably one of he's probably got he's probably got the most baggage a footballer has that's plays at the elite 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 level he's probably got the most baggage out of every footballer that plays at that level in terms of the most toxic baggage so 
do 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 you take that risk or do you even want to take do you want to take that risk or do, is it even worth it? I don't think it is. I think if you ask a ninety percent of Liverpool supporters, do you want Mbappe? They'd say no. That you they'd go out. They'd rather go out and get someone like a someone like an Inkunku maybe or someone like a someone of that elk, right? I was going to say Lucas Paqueta, but obviously he's gone to West Ham, right? So they'd rather go out and get someone of that elk instead of Mbappe because of because of how not unassuming on or or on how problem or because of how unproblematic they are, but just because their net positives kind of even out in a sense. It's really weird when you say, but when you compare, let's just compare Nkunku to Mbappe. I think their net positives, their net positives. Or their net worth, in terms of as a footballer, I would say are very similar, if not the same. Because you have the positives of Mbappe, which are far better than the positives of Nkunku, in terms of like actual player, like like the actual ability of the players. But then you take the baggage of Mbappe, and you take the baggage of Nkunku, and it kind of evens itself out. And Nkunku would come for a lot less, which is like that monetary monetary um, figure. I know, I know Nkunku's done a deal with Chelsea by all accounts, but just as an example. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's tricky. It's really tricky. I would I would I I wouldn't say he's I wouldn't say he's an overrated footballer. I would say he is an overrated asset. Which is kind of shit to say because they're people, but let's be honest, footballers are assets these days. They're not real people. They're just they're just fig figures to like they're puppets to tr- to loan the money, right? Oh, well, not loan the money, but you know what I mean. I would say as an asset, as a footballing asset, he's overrated. Not as a not as a pure footballer, if that makes sense. I just felt like it was good. It was a good topic to discuss because not a lot of people have discussed it um, at length in any way. So um, yeah. I wouldn't say he's overrated. I say he's an overrated asset, which is a tricky concept to understand. But I think I've explained it pretty well. I think well, at least I've explained my thoughts pretty well. So yeah, um, yeah, overrated asset. I don't think Liverpool should get him. I don't think Real Madrid should get him. I think he, I, I, where does he go? That's probably the next question, and I, don't, I want to touch on this briefly. Where does he go? Let's just let's just assume he leaves in January. Who who picks him up, man? No one picks him up. No one signs him if he goes in January. No one signs him. Is he going to be a free agent for six months? No chance. What will happen is he'll probably end up staying. That's what will happen. He'll probably end up staying, and then he'll probably end up leaving in the summer for two hundred million pounds plus. I don't even know if or he can leave for free because that's probably something to do with his contract. I think PSG would want him to go. If PSG, I don't know. I don't know what the what the circumstances circumstances are with his contract and why he's leaving. I've heard that it's mutual termination. I've heard that's the reason, or like his contract's going to be terminated or something, right? But if they get something for him, yeah. So Kylian Mbappe is asked to leave PSG in January. Is that because? Is that because he wants to? Is is that like because his contract termination, or is he th- or if he's going to get sold? I don't know, man. I don't know. 
I've got no idea. Okay, so apparently he never he's never asked to leave. That that the rumors are completely false. Well, who knows? Who knows? Who? Yeah, who knows? Anyway, let's just I'll just felt like all right. So apparently it's not true. So I've just spoken about that for fifteen minutes for no fucking reason. But um, yeah, I think he's just got a massive fucking ego and he's a big baby. That's pretty much all I think. Um, let's move on. Let's let's go to the next talking point as we just take over twenty one minutes speaking about something that's irrelevant. Good. Probably should have done a lot more accurate and timely research, but it is what it is. I want to speak on Man United as we move on because I I kind of to gloat. In a sense, not really gloat, but I just want to like touch on what their season has been so far. Now, United season is so weird. They obviously started poorly, started poorly, two losses in a row um, to start the year, and then they beat um, who they beat? They beat fucking Liverpool. They beat Liverpool. They went on a four week, four game win streak. They beat Arsenal, and then they lost, and then they got spanked by City. Got away with one against Everton, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they got they got they got away with one against against Everton, and then they drew to Newcastle. So it's been a the, uh, that season for United so far, which is exactly where I said it would be at the start of the season. Now, what we saw against Newcastle was the exact way that I thought United season would go. It was it was almost there. Everything. I think we're gonna look at United season at the end of the year. They're probably going to finish somewhere between third and sixth, based on the way this season's going. And we're going to look at their season and think, all right, it was almost there. They just need a little bit more cohesion, and they need a little bit more, like they need a few more um, pieces of the puzzle. I think they've what what United season needed to be was a figuring like a figuring out season. They need to figure out what they were doing because the whole club's in a rebuild, right? So this season was kind of a free hit. Unless they finished like 15th, they, United could have finished anywhere between 8th or 9th to, or pretty much anywhere from 8th or 9th to 1st, right? And no one would have cared in terms of no one really should care about where they finish. And the reason why is because it's a figuring out season. And why I say that is because they, they figured out what their best back, back line is which, in my opinion, was obvious at the start of the season, but it's obviously Delo, Varane, Martinez, and Malassia. That's their best back four. They finally got a defensive midfielder in, They they and they finally got a winger who can actually do something. So now, what do they need? They probably need a backup goalkeeper or another goalkeeper because I don't think I don't think De Gea's distribution is up to scratch for a Ten Hag system. They probably need a better right back because I like Delo. But I think you ship Wambasaka out the door and get a first choice right back in. I think you need to get another, and you need to get a number nine in, like a very good number nine, and you need to get a proper. You need to get a proper kind of ball playing defensive ball playing defensive midfielder to partner, um, Casemiro. Dare I say, Paul Pogba, but obviously not. Um, that's what United need, right? So now that they figured out a little bit of the piece, like they figured out half the half the jigsaw, they're just kind of going through the motions and trying to figure out if they can try things to get more out of this squad. And they 
they're being fundamentally they're just slowly figuring out their tactics figuring out what they need to do if they go far in in europe that's a positive if they go far in cup competition that's a positive if they can get a trophy i think they'll do a world of confidence for ten Hag and for the team but i just I, I looked at i looked at i watched that united game quite intently um against newcastle as my dog just is going ballistic for no reason if you can hear her um yeah, I watch I watch a United Newcastle game quite not intently, but I, I was keeping an eye on it, and I saw exactly what I thought I was going to see from from United. It was or I, in terms of I wasn't surprised in the slightest. I I tweeted um at the start of the game that uh I thought Newcastle were going to get points off off United, and I was not shocked in the slightest by the way that that game panned out because of what we've seen from United so far. We saw that. Oh my God! They took points off. They beat Liverpool and Arsenal, right? Liverpool, we all know how big that game is, and they beat Arsenal, which they're the only club um, this season to do so, right? So we're like, oh my God! Things, things have, things have turned around. But in the same vein, they got smacked by City. So it's like, oh, it's it's there. No, it's not. It's there. No, it's not. Which is exactly what this season for United is going to be. So, yeah, I just feel like United fans are wanting it a little bit more. That's why I want to speak, speak on it, because I saw on Twitter and social media and shit, which really is a fake place, in all honesty. But I just saw, saw a little bit of comments about, oh, my God, like, how can we not beat Newcastle? We should have beat Newcastle, all this stuff. I was like, this is just where you guys are at. And let Newcastle a good side. Uh, granted, they've got a couple of injuries, obviously. No Isaac, no Sam Maximin. But... They're exactly where, as you can hear my dog again, I don't know what she's barking at, but she's obviously angry at something. So um, try, I don't know if she's going to be, if it's going to be picked up on the mic, I think it will be. But um, yeah, like obviously Newcastle were depleted, but United had chances. On another day, they probably do win. I know, I think it was Rashford had a chance in the with the last kick of the game. On another day, that goes in, right? On another day, that Ronaldo goal stands. On another day, they get a couple of penalties. But this game was a microcosm of their season. It was going to be almost there. Just like they, they beat Liverpool, they beat Arsenal. Oh my God, it's turned around. They get smacked by City. So everything is just going to slowly mould into place. And um, yeah, you, uh, it, this season will be a lot more, I think, how do I explain this? At the back end of this season, so when this season finishes, the outlook for United will, will be the best outlook in about a decade if that makes sense. They're going to have the, the most positive outlook based on based on, um, based on on this season that they've had in a very, very long time. Um, so, yeah, Ten Hag ball is, is slowly, slowly ticking away. Anthony's proving to be a great signing. Um, obviously, that back line is slowly, slowly ticking away to becoming a very solid back line. Varane and Martinez, as my camera refuses to focus on my face, um, still refusing, still refusing to focus on my face, still not focusing on my head. There we go. Ah, uh, leave it. It's focusing on my mic. I'm just gonna leave it. Um, yeah. So obviously they they've figured out their back line. Martinez, Varane, Shaw, Malasia, um, and Delo. That that's slowly ticking away. Casemiro's added a new factor, added a very good factor into that. Um, midfield double pivot, who, whoever he's partnered by. And I think it's that front it's that front third which needs working. Anthony's a great signing, but apart from that, the rest of that front third needs working. But Ten Hagball slowly, slowly edging away and slowly, slowly becoming something pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, the, this United, how do I explain this? Like, 
this it's hard to explain i want to give like my i want to give like a rounding a rounding like summation of what i'm thinking what 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 we've seen from united so far this season is exactly what what we've seen from United this season is exactly what we were going to see. We weren't going to see anything different. We weren't going to see United side that was struggling to win games, and we're not going to see United side that couldn't, that was going to like beat teams. If that makes sense, like maybe not beat teams, but like the overall from the from the first from the first third of the season, this is exactly what United were going to offer. And this is exactly what they're going to offer for the rest of the season. And it is actually one of the best things for United. Because they're playing a style of football which takes time to learn and takes time to master. But they're also doing it in a way which is implementing new players like Malassia and Delo, who have become first-team regulars. Lissandro Martinez has become a fantastic player. Anthony has become a very good player for them. And they're doing it in a way which is improving their overall squad. In terms of the squad, not just the first 11, the squad is improving. There's little pieces that are still to be filled. I think they need a new striker. I think they need a new left winger. And they probably need, probably need another central midfielder. But if they get those three in, Jan- in, um, in the summer, then the this foundation that they've built this season is going to pay dividends next season and the seasons beyond. They, if they finish sixth this season, it shouldn't matter. If they finish first this season, or maybe not first, if they finish second this season, it shouldn't matter. The, the 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 table position for United this season should be irrelevant based on what we've seen on the pitch and what we've seen in terms of improvement-wise for the whole squad. That's how I think I should describe United season. But um yeah, let's go, as we tick over half an hour, um, let's go to something which I found very funny, and that's Drake. Now, um, a little bit of a... I should probably get like a sound effect, like a maybe like a car screech or something as like a, as like a swift turn or a sharp turn to a different topic. But, um, Drake, Drake, Drake. This guy, man, um, he put, what was it? Like $300,000 or Canadian dollars, US dollars on both United and on, on Barcelona and Arsenal to win. Now, obviously Barcelona wore a shirt with his little, logo little bird thingy who the fuck knows what that was but it's something to do with drake um they wore that on on their tops and they got spanked 3-1 by real madrid um which is quite quite hilarious um that yeah so that's kind of amusing and then obviously the arsenal at least the arsenal leg came up should have cashed out man should have cashed out it's stupid doesn't think you always cash out always cash out Always cash out. Um, yeah, he Arsenal got away with one big time, bit of a daylight robbery job, but um, they they got there, and and but Barca let him down, so he just lost three hundred thousand. Was it three hundred thousand? I think it was three hundred thousand, paying out like three million or something like that. Um, so yeah, he just he's just been absolutely jibbed there. But I mean, not like, not like it matters because it's Drake. It's Drake, so it doesn't matter. Um, I just thought that's funny. The curse lives on, technically. Technically, the curse lives on because I think without VAR, the curse would have lived on. Um, and on, 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 any, on any other given day, the curse lives on, but VAR just kind of made sure it, made sure it kind of got um, 
it kind of got um, shadowed in a sense, or kind of got overruled. But I mean, the the real curse with Barca in terms of he he really represented Barca with his fucking logo on the shirt, which granted looked good, but also like come on now, um, yeah. So the 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 curse the curse lives on pretty well. The curse actually does live on. So, um, who does he go to next? Who does he go to next? If he ever comes fucking near Chelsea, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be angry. Or if he comes near Melbourne victory, although I don't think he will. Um, although that would be a that would be a turn, wouldn't it? If he just rocked up at Gosh's party, taking photos with Nick D'Agostino and Jack Brimmer. That would be... I would That, that would probably be the peakest A-League moment ever. It would just be great. And um, I think that's a good segue to actually speak on the A-League, which is my next talking point. So let's touch on um, just A-League match day two review, in a sense. I want to try... I want, I, want to make an, I want to make an effort to speak on the A-League every week because I feel like I need to give it some airtime because it's actually pretty good this year. Um, now, what I first really want to speak about is the all-access docker. Now... I encourage everyone before I speak about it, go and watch it before I speak about it. Go and watch it before I get my thoughts. It's on the Keep Up, um, Keep Up YouTube channel. It's only half an hour long, not even. And basically, what they're doing is they're releasing a episode every week, sim- like a um, all or nothing style documentary um, behind the scenes every week based on what last week's was. So, so last week's or like the the first episode was on the big blue um it followed nanny around and followed victory around um in their preparation for the big blue so that 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 was released on thursday now absolutely fucking perfect how like i i criticize and i um complain at times about the production levels and about the overall advertisement and and promotion of the, of the A-League in this country, but this is fucking perfect, like, this is so, so, so good, because we've seen what, we saw what Drive to Survive has done for the F1, we saw what um, maybe the Queen's Gambit did for chess, to a little bit of a lesser extent, but still pretty real extent, we saw what those two documentaries, I know Queen's Gambit wasn't a documentary, but we saw what those two kind of productions have done for their respective sports right and i and i know obviously this all access docker isn't on the level that drive to survive is just purely based on it's australia versus the f1 right um and i know it's a little bit different because f1 is a little bit more dramatized naturally based on the fact of the sport itself than football right so it's a little bit a little bit different but if this just get this will hundred percent get more people invested, hundred percent, and it's perfect. And the way that they're doing it is perfect because they need to tap into this younger market. They need to tap into this younger market because they're the future, right? They're the future. You need to tap into the people that are between between ages twenty five to fifteen, fourteen, even thirteen, even twelve, right? They're they're the people. They're the people they need to tap into and doing this on YouTube, making this freely available, making this easy to access and making it accessible to people of that age of that age bracket is exactly what the is exactly the type of promotion that the A-League needs. Now, in terms of the actual content of the documentary itself, the episode episode one was um, fantastic. I thought it was really good. I really liked what they did with Nani. I really liked what they, like the insight that we were able to get. 
um, in terms of like, in terms of what we saw himself. Nani seems like a pretty good guy. Seems like he's actually willing to do some work and willing to actually play football properly instead of just coming for a twelve-month holiday like Daniel Sturridge. So yeah, from that from that from that perspective, it's good in terms of like from a victory perspective and from I think from an A League perspective as well because you want when you have Marquee signings like. Everyone wanted Daniel Sturridge to actually play well instead of coming for a holiday, even if you're a Brisbane fan, Wellington fan, whoever, right? So, okay, I guess that's good. I liked, um, I think, yeah, from a victory perspective, I like the way Popper conducts himself. I think it's pretty good. Um, I like the way, like I said, Nanny conducts himself. It's pretty good, etc., etc. It's all pretty good, as my camera, once again, refuses to focus. Um, yeah, but, like, I, th- I don't think that's my main talking point. What I really wanted to speak about was just how perfect this is for the a-league and they need to they need to promote the shit out of this documentary get it everywhere get on tiktok get on instagram get on twitter just push it out there push it out there as much as you can and you can do it because it's as freely accessible right it's it's going to be on the youtube channel and it's going to be there for everyone to see without kind of needing without anyone without you don't have to go out of your way to find it it's literally there. It can. It's literally right there. You just need to click a button and watch it. So, um, yeah, I I enjoyed, and I and I'm really enjoying the way that the A League is conducting itself this year. Granted, the 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 promotion for the start of the season wasn't great. Um, I think I'll tell you what it is. If you took the promotion for the start of the season, which we had, which we had last year. In terms of the promotion for the start of the season last year was very good. If we took that this year, put it into put it into this preseason, made a couple of tweaks to some things, Paramount in particular, and then have this all access talk, I think would all think would have been very good. But we can't have it all. I think it's slowly, slowly improving and it's slowly, slowly getting back to where it was. Um, I do think Paramount and Ten have a lot to do, um, but. It's it's a start. It's a start because it, it's it hit rock bottom a couple of years ago, and we can't look we can't look back. We have to kind of look forward and say, all right, yeah, all right, acknowledge where we were, but now look forward to where we need to be. And um, I think this all access documentary is going to be exactly what this country needs in terms of its sport, and exactly what this country needs in terms of football in particular. Um, it's the new age, it's a new media, it's new everything, and it's going to engage a lot more people, especially if it's done properly. Now, if the first episode is going to be like every episode, then perfect. Chef's kiss. I love it. It's exactly what, um, it's exactly what, like I said, it's exactly what this thing is, right? It's exactly what we need. It's exactly what this country needs. And it's exactly what will get people invested. You can, you can do as many advertisements on primetime TV as you want. But let's be honest, in the age of TikTok, in the age of of social media, in the age of everything modern, doing something like this is the best way to get in touch with those fans and get in touch with those casuals who like football but don't really watch the A-League but probably like like pretend they support Melbourne Victory or Western Sydney or whoever. Getting those fans to actually be invested, this is the best way. So, um, yeah massive tick in terms of the all-access doco and i think this transitions perfectly into the atmosphere on saturday night was like perfect like and and there was eighteen thousand there i think 
which is which is very good. Granted, it's not it's not it's not the thirty thousand or the twenty plus thousand that we used to see at Amy Park games, but the, like I understand, victory in Western Sydney are the benchmark, are the benchmark in terms of active support. But you can't say you can't say the league is dead, right? Because how do I explain this? For every for every fan who or for every for every casual for every non A League watcher, go and watch that game, right? And don't actually watch the game, but like acknowledge the atmosphere, because you can say, like, how do I how do you explain this? You can say the A League has no quality, or you can say the A League quality is equivalent to Sunday League. And if you say that, firstly, you're wrong. And secondly, okay, if you believe that, at least acknowledge the very good atmosphere that some games can produce, right? Because once you do that, then that's going to get you invested. Because once again, football is entertainment, right? Yes, it's a sport, but it's also entertainment. If You, you can be entertained by a lot of different things. You can be entertained by the things on the pitch. You can also be entertained by the things in the stands, right? I can guarantee you, if you go to any Melbourne Victory game this season, any home Melbourne Victory game this season, your eyes will be drawn to the terrace all all night, all day. That Your eyes will be drawn to them more than the actual football. Not to discredit the football, but because of just how passionate those fans are and just because of how good the active support is. Like, don't, don't sneer at it just because it's Australian. A lot of people do that. They just sneer at... Oh, the quality shit, which it isn't. It just objectively isn't poor quality. Like, like, I'll tell you what's funny. Those who say the A-League has poor quality haven't watched an A-League game in their life, right? So your opinion is immediately invalid, immediately null and void, right? And if you actually go and watch an A-League game, if you actually go to Amy Park on a Saturday night, what not only will you see some very good football at times, you also see some very good fans, some very good active support like we saw on Saturday night. And when you couple those two things together, you get invested and you go to more games and then you buy the merch and you watch it on TV and you get invested and you get engaged and then bang, everything will grow from there. People people almost gatekeep hating the A-League. It's something I've it's honestly something I've never seen before. And the non A League watchers in Australia are some of the weirdest fans I've ever seen, right? Because they complain that, oh, how can I go how can I go watch the A League? The quality shit, the no one goes to the games. Okay. Start going to the games. Cause then once you start going, more people will start going. More people will start going. And then all of a sudden everything improves from there. The, the more you sneer at the A-League and the more you sneer at Australian football, the less likely it is to actually improve. If you want it to improve, then actually help it improve. And if you say you want it to improve but aren't actually helping it improve, then really you don't care about football in this country. You can say it, you can say you do, but really piss off to England, wake up at 2am to watch a team that you've never been to the ground to, right? So you can do whatever you want in that respect. Unless you're actively trying to improve the game by going, by by just getting around, by tweeting about it, by by buying a buying a uh, Melbourne Victory top, buying a Western Sydney top, tweeting about it, going to games, watching the documentaries, doing stuff, engaging with it, everything helps. So unless you're doing that, I don't want to listen to your opinion, right? I don't know. This is the, this is developed into a pretty unnecessary rant, but like, I just. 
this kind of goes back to what I thought, what I saw on Twitter. Now I was going to speak about this in, in who went into footer, but I feel like it's just going to be a little bit of a good topic to speak on now, right? We all like if you're on Twitter over the past couple of days, you know exactly what I'm going to speak about. But what what frustrates me the most? What frustrates me the most about about f- football fans in this country? And I use quote marks because I don't think they actually are football fans. What frustrates me the most is you have a game which is so accessible to you, so accessible to you, and yet you try your hardest to discourage it and to break it and to burn it. I don't understand that logic. If you have something you love, everyone who is listening to this right now loves football. So why would you not want more football? Why would you not want more accessible football? Why would you not want football that is 30 minutes down the road which you can attend on a Saturday night instead of football that's 900,000 kilometers away that's on at 3 a.m.? Why would you not want football that you're actually connected to? That's what I don't understand. And if someone can please explain to me that, then by all means. But if you say the quality of the A-League shit, then fuck, I mean, anything other than the Premier League is going to be a shock to you, right? Because if, if, if you think that, if the reason for you not watching the A-League is because the quality shit, then, I mean, fuck, I can't help you, right? You're a lost cause. If you say the active support is shit or the, fair, or the fact that no one goes, that's a reason why you don't watch it. Well, then the fact that you're not going to it is you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem, right? So blame yourself for it being poor. Blame yourself because you're part of the problem. And then... If you and then oh like I don't I don't understand any other reason why you wouldn't go. It's frustrating. It's annoying, and it's and we saw on Saturday night. I don't even know why I'm ranting about this now, but fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. Um, what we saw on Saturday night was such a good. What what we saw on Saturday night was such a good introduction for those who aren't really fans of football in this country, and it's like all right. This is what it's going to be doing. This is what it is when it's not in a good place. Imagine what it will be when it's in a good place. Imagine how much better it will be. So help it get to that place. Help it get to where it was maybe 10 years ago when it was booming, when it was thriving. Instead of sneering at it and instead of making fun of it and instead of um, gatekeeping it in terms of gatekeeping the hate towards it, Get around it, get amongst it, because what what what's there to lose? What's there to lose? I just I saw it on Saturday night. I saw some of the fucking things on Twitter and stuff, and which I mean, Twitter's not a real place, right? So I don't even know why I'm getting this wound wound up about it. But yeah, yeah, you just have this. You have the you have. I I'll tell you what I I want to use this analogy. If you love fucking, I don't know, if you love cheesecake, right? You love cheesecake, right? Would you rather go and get cheesecake that's 900,000 kilometers away or cheesecake that's 30 minutes away? Answer me that question. Right? So, I don't understand, I just don't understand it. I don't even know why I'm ranting about it. 
in this respect. When I just all I wanted to speak about was the fucking atmosphere on Saturday night and how good that the the scenes were and the terrace and stuff. But I've just ranted. I've just ranted because I was going to speak about that in who went into footed. I was going to speak about what happened on Twitter a couple of, or yesterday or on Sunday night and shit or on, on Saturday Sunday. So turns out I'm just speaking about it now. But I actually want to speak on the A League generally as well. Um, Sydney are actually good this year, which is shocked. I had them outside my top six. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're good or if it's just that Western United are bad. But Lowly and Mac look look the look the look the gravy. They look actually they look very good. And I said this last week, they could become a very formidable um, wing partnership this year with a Fondra through the middle. They got a pretty balanced midfield with Yazbek, Caseros, and Bratton. Their back line does leave a little bit to be desired at times, but I feel like I feel like they could they could they could do something here. They could do something. I don't know what, but I feel like they could. Western United, I mean Western Sydney, sorry, two one nil wins to start the season. They got away with one on Saturday night against the victory. Um, City top of the table. And then you have you have Perth and Brisbane floundering at the bottom of the table, which we all expected. But Western United glued to the bottom. Obviously, no Prejevic in both games, which is a little bit of a shock. I think John Lewis he said he had a toe injury, um, which I don't know if I believe that. I think there's something else going on, but I think you just have to take you just have to take um, his word for it. But I feel like they're, they're such a them a much better side with Prejevic in. Like it's it's night and day just how good. Or how or how much different they are. I think they I think they went with Wenzel Halls up front um, against Sydney, and it just didn't it just didn't work. I think their 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 system relies on on a big man up front. Yeah, they went they went with Wenzel Halls with Payne, Wales and Troy Easy um, in behind him. Yeah, they they need a big man up front, and I think Previch is that guy. They were they were very very fortunate um, that he stayed because if he had, if he went. I don't think their season would would be any. I don't think they would have any promise this season. But they just need to get him back asap because they're a much better team without him. I think obviously Newcastle um, Newcastle Jets got their got their first win against Perth. Um, Mikkel Tadze in the ninety third minute. I I just I really like Newcastle. Like I just there's something about them. Like I don't know. Maybe 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 it's because Arthur Pappas is. Maybe it's maybe it's a subconscious Greek connection, but I really like Piscopo, Bahaja, and Mikotadze. I really like. Like I think that could be something very good. I think they can create something very good this season. Um, Jenkinson as well adds a little bit of quality, adds a little bit of class, and I feel like they could sneak into the top six. I don't. I think I can't remember where I had them. I didn't actually do a predictions um, video, but I, I or like I didn't actually write my predictions down. But I think I would have had them somewhere between fifth and eighth. Um, maybe a fifth and ninth, but um, yeah, I would love to see them get in. Love to see them get in. Um, anything else important? Uh, Wellington back at um back at the Caketon, which is um, which is good. I I I saw I saw I saw a couple of things. I uh, saw a couple of people saying they don't really like watching games at the Caketon. Uh, it's I think I do purely because it's heritage, and I think uh, that's another thing I want to speak on with Brisbane back at Suncorp. I I I understand there were seven thousand people that went on Friday night, and it probably didn't make for a good atmosphere. And you'd rather you'd rather seven thousand people in a fifteen thousand people stadium than a thirty plus thousand people people stadium, just because of it looks it looks fuller and it creates a better atmosphere that way. But I don't know, it's just heritage for me. Like Suncorp, the Cagtin, 
NIB Stadium, Amy Park, even Marvel, which I know, I know, um, Victoria stopped, I've stopped playing games at. Um, that's why I like Sydney back at Sydney um, FC back at the Sydney Football Stadium. I really like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just heritage for me, and I just enjoy. I think vi- visually, I'm used to it. I didn't really like um, Redcliffe. I didn't really like that visually. Like I don't know, it just didn't suit. Like I just, I just didn't like watching games there. I prefer watching games at Suncorp. Um, and like I said, I prefer watching games at, at, at the K-Tin than where they played. Um, I know obviously they were in Wollongong and other places because of COVID and stuff, but they played a couple of games in New Zealand away from the K-Tin a couple of years ago, I think. Um, and I didn't really like that either. So, um, yeah, there's going to be, yeah, that, that's just, yeah, there's a couple of things that I just picked up on. Um, there's obviously the big... The big game on this weekend, this Saturday night, which is going to be a... Which, like, this is exactly what I was going to say. If you think Australian football is shit, go down to Amy Park on Saturday night. Melbourne Derby, City versus Victory. Go down to that game, and I promise you, I promise you, you'll be hooked. Promise you. Just go. It, it, it costs 30 bucks max. I don't even know. It shouldn't cost more. It's a Melbourne Victory home game, so the noise will be there in decibels. Just go, enjoy it, and you'll be hooked, guaranteed. Guaranteed you'll be hooked. But um, I guess I guess you can't control a lot, can you? You can't control what, what the naysayers do. But um, yeah, I don't even know why I went on that rant. I just wanted to speak about the A-League, and I just went on a massive rant. Fuck me. Uh, anyway, let's finish up with you and into footed. And basically, this this is um, a, the segment on this podcast, which happens at the end. Uh, where we just dissect what's any, anything dumb, dumb and daft and stupid and just utterly confusing, idiotic that's happened over the week's football. Um, two things happened, actually. Um, basically, and two things were not anyone's fault. Firstly, the Hull versus Birmingham was delayed, I think, two hours because the goals were too big. Now, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, please, but don't they just have the goals up all year, like isn't isn't that how isn't that how it works? They just have the goals up all year, and then they just like put put them face down, and then they just lift them back up. Isn't I swear that was how it works. And also, how do you get them wrong? Surely there's like there's like a a silhouette or like a what's that thing? Like a stencil. Surely there's like a stencil for the goal where you just like build it. How can you have them too big? And this, I thought of this. I was like, how many other times do you reckon? Do you reckon there's been games played where the goals have been too big? I, I can, I would guarantee there's been at least a game played this season where the goals have been too big. At, at least this season, I think in the history of football, it would have happened so many times where the goals have been just like an inch too big. And do you reckon that's like affected the the the, the like the score of a game or like a goal that's gone in? Because how can that happen? I don't get it. I just thought that like everything was just like all all goals come in one size. Like I don't like I swear there's like you have like five aside goals, you have like futsal goals, then you have like seven aside goals, and then you have like eleven aside goals. Isn't that how it works? Anyway, I just thought that was fucking so confusing. And it was funnily enough because that happened on the same day that Arsenal versus Leeds was delayed an hour because there was a power outage. I think Mikel Arteta stole the cord to plug into his light bulb to get the energy um, in the, in the dressing, dressing room. But um, it was funnily enough because 
Vaya ended up win- winning Arsenal the game. So um, it was that was quite funny that it got delayed and then Vaya ended up winning Arsenal the game. But um, yeah, quite hilarious actually, quite funny. Um, it was good though because the the obviously you had Southampton Southampton West Ham Chelsea Villa United Newcastle that game went to half time, and then you went, then you could watch the Arsenal Leeds game. And then that, and then obviously that went. Then you switched back over to Newcastle United. And then when that game finished, you went back to the to the Arsenal Leeds game. And then when that game finished, you went straight into Liverpool City. That was sick. That was mad. It was like football on all the time, no breaks. I don't want to see. I don't want to see fucking who was. I don't even know who was on up to sport. It would have been what Rafa and I think it was Shearer maybe. I don't want to hear them talking shit. I just want to football. I just want to watch football. More football. So that was good at least. And um. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, that that were the only two things. And then I was going to speak on Twitter kicking off, but I kind of spoke about that spoke about that a little bit just before. But um, yeah, Twitter kicked off last night because um, basically, if you if you are unaware, um, how do I describe describe this in a very um, in a very political? No, not 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 political. In a very diplomatic term. Um, a lot of jealous people on Twitter. I think that's probably the right word to describe it. Not jealous of me, although although I mean imitations of greatest form of flattery in a sense. But um, yeah, not 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 jealous of me, although not yet anyway. Uh, that, yeah, just oh, I'm just gonna go up my own ass even more. But um, yeah, no, just a lot of people angry that a lot of people are doing. A lot of people are angry that a lot of other people are doing good things doing a lot of good things and doing things that they couldn't do. So um yeah, you know you know who you are on both sides of things. And um I'm actually not in my mum's basement, I'm in my mum's study. So um yeah, got that wrong though, didn't you? So do your research next time. Um yeah, although that definitely wasn't directed at me, but I still find it quite funny. Um yeah. You know who you are. You are doing good work and yeah, I think Everyone knows who the, who the good guys are and who the good people are in this space, and um, go 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 basically go on Twitter. I think I I quote tweeted the tweet in which I'm referencing. There's a bunch of people in the replies who are do fantastic work. Go follow them. Go check them out. If you want more football podcasts, go go check them out, sir. Um, yeah, go on my Twitter. It's linked in the, in the description. Find my quote tweet to the tweet in which I'm referencing this whole thing about. Look in the replies to that tweet. There's a bunch of quality, quality people doing quality, quality content. This scene is growing rapidly. And a lot of people are angry at that, which just fuels me. It's great. Um, yes, that's enough. Thank you. Actually, preview. Jesus Christ, keep missing this. So, um, yeah, Big, uh, Melbourne Derby on the weekend, which is great. Get down to that. It's going to be grouse. Um, that's yeah, it's gonna be sick. And then what else? Like Champions League, Champions League on? No, there's not no Champions League. It's actually midweek games. Chelsea Brentford five thirty in the morning. Like fuck, I'm gonna get up for that. But um, United Tottenham is actually a pretty good game. Um, um, yeah, that's it. Chelsea United. That's oh, I can't wait for United to beat us. It's gonna be great. Can't wait. After after what I've said about United, like it's gonna be that they're just gonna come out and smack us four 0 But Graham Potter, five games, five wins. I think is it five games, five wins, or five wins in a row? Yeah, five wins on the trot. Five wins on the trot. Five from six. 
Light title charge, light title charge, am I hearing? But um, yes, that that is all. Thank you all very much for watching. We're ticking over an hour. Jesus Christ, I've spoken for quite a bit, but um, yes. Thank you all very much for watching. Make sure to subscribe to the Two Foot Tackle podcast on YouTube. Like the, like the podcast. Notification bell. Instagram, TikTok, Two Foot Tackle podcast. Twitter, 2FT pod. Um, basically, if you want to hear my live thoughts on things, on games, on other football-related things. Um, yeah, audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Five-star review, five-star um, five star rating. Like it, follow it, subscribe to it on all that things. It would mean the world to me. But um, yes, stay well, stay safe. See you guys next week. Speak soon and goodbye.